Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. I'm Mark Hyde. Wow, you messed that up real bad. You're Chris Fuller. I'm Mark Hyde. So, Fuller, what are we talking about tonight? Wow, we are way out (laughs) of... What are we talking about, my dude? We're talking about church history. Wow. That was bad. This is really bad, but... uh, Welcome to the show, folks. Let's jump in, I guess. So, talk about church history? Let's go. Let's go. was that opening i screwed up the opening i heard you bumble I, over I, your words a little I, bit I, and I, I was fumbled. like oh I was he's like, gonna be okay he's gonna get I'm like, oh i'm gonna i'm recovering good and then i was like i'm mark hyde and then it didn't even hit me for like a good five seconds i was like you're like wait what i'm like you know what you remind you know what you reminded me of in that little moment that when, when you're watching those hilarious <laughs> videos of those guys who are like stumbling and you're like oh he's gonna catch it he's gonna catch it he's gonna catch it nope he fell in the uh, world uh, down the hill <laughs> like it was ju- that was, was just a crash well and burn. i still blame the fact that you I, said i'm mark hyde and then lost your mind i'm like what is happening right now i'm in like the what is it i'm inception right now i was thrown off by our previous earlier recording that lasted 10 seconds where i messed that one you up. messed the music up and then i had us on mute so nothing got recorded well i was making jokes if i if i do this pad that's wrong if i do this pad that's right if i do that pad will get sued so yeah well that was probably the worst opening we've had in a long time in a long time i don't know if we want to let the jury go out on that because i'm sure people's got opinions on what was terrible intros but either way it was pretty welcome to the show my friends i am chris fuller this is mark Mark hyde i am not chris fuller i am the grass fairy and he is the grizzly bear if you have no idea what we're talking about that means you need to go back and rewind to the early days of the episode that's like a long long time ago i will say dude it's been hilarious so in the facebook group it seems like more and more people are rewinding which is awesome but then people will say like like they'll make some comment like like in a good way about jokes that we used to make in the first season and we're like what what are you talking about <laughs> yeah, and Beth will be bad. like oh yeah you guys used to do that I'm like oh okay uh, and then you know we've, we've had some questions about like okay so does your audio ever get better in this podcast I'm like well after 200 episodes I sure dang hope so and then we fumble on episode 205 you know what sometimes it just happens but you know yeah. what we try our best to be a great podcast we want to be a great community we are not a great online dating site in case in contrary to popular <laughs> opinion alright you gotta tell the story to that oh one man dude okay so we got a phone call right and so, so I saw the phone call come in and normally whenever you guys text RTC it's always full of that answers it's nine never, times out of ten. It is never me, but I did not feel like working. So I <laughs> so, it's like, oh, I find an excuse. So the phone call came in and it was a voicemail. And I'm like, oh, let's just see what the voicemail says. Because when we get voicemails, it comes to our email. Right. So I read the voicemail and I'm like, what 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 are we talking about? We're trying to log in, we're trying to figure something out. So I'm like, okay, is, is someone trying to figure out where our community is? Like, is it like a Patreon thing? We're like, is we, it we, Facebook? We don't log in. Log, we have no yeah, logins. Yeah, so I'm like, how do you log in and pay for the membership? And I'm like, well, first off, I mean, you could give us our money, but we don't really have a membership. So I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, oh, wait, this isn't for like Real Talk online dating app? And I said, absolutely not. We're Real Talk Christian Podcast. I mean, I said, and then the message was like, I'll, I'll try to check that out too. So if you are the guy who, 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 who shot us a message too. about the dating site and you're here listening, we are so thrilled that you are here. Um... But yeah, no, we are not an online dating site. No. We, we we do got some, you know, single Christian. Well, I mean, you know, kind of, we, we got some single wait, Pringles who are ready to Christian mingle on the Facebook Time group. out. We kind of are because uh, that's how you met your wife. That is true. 
So maybe they just got a little confused. Maybe they listened to that one episode and they're like, hey. That's what we all was about. Uh, So basically, if you're single, try to go on some random Christian dude's podcast. No, do not follow that advice. I mean, it's good for you, but it's not good for everybody. It's one of those like, just because it worked doesn't mean, what what is it? Just be, it's not like an exception of a rule letter of the law. Basically, just because it happened once doesn't mean it's a. um, It was an anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah. I still can't say it. Wow. Do, 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 do. Welcome back to the show. This is going to be a terrible so show. So did the coffee there's like a, whack you in the I face don't know. or something? There's a lot of reading in this episode. I'm kind of concerned right now. <laughs> well, how about we talk about the coffee that we're drinking? Because we went back to our roots on this one. Well, man. back to your roots. I've, back to my roots. Yeah, this is a your roots. You're... you're Take me down from Africa. Oh, oh, This oh. is a you roots. Oh, that type. Yeah, okay. So, yes. But I'm talking like... Because the last... I would say last season, season and a half, we've just done drip coffee where we get... Excuse me, coffee burp. Because man, we easy. are really going back to the, our early days. If we're doing coffee burps too, um, where we just do the drip coffee, but we use really good coffee. We use really good water because it's easy and it's simple. And your boys work, come home, eat, and then we show up and podcast. So it's it's always really really quick. It is. But I was easier. like, dude, we went to a coffee shop up in St. Joe, Michigan, because over the weekend, last right. weekend, Beth and I went on a two night, three day staycation. So we didn't pay for hotels. We slept in our own beds, and no kid besides Lennox woke us up. In the morning, asking for snacks and breakfast and cries and tears and who can pick the show and that person took my seat. It was glorious. And so each day we exactly so, but but so each day we went somewhere different. So we went to St. Joe, Michigan for one of the days, and we bounced to three or four, three three different coffee shops. I think it got to the point where at the end, like I was like, I'm I'm coffeeed out, so I just got an Italian soda at the last one. But we did a place where they had coffee flights. Which I know they got yep, a place here in right. Elkhart that does, but yep, we were texting yep. you and Janelle during yep. then. And so Beth got four different coffees. I got four different types of coffees. In case you're wondering, Irish coffee is kind of gross, but I tried it. Just so it, you know. Yeah, it depends. It, I, I had to it's put, had to put pl- some sweet cream in it. It's it was got fine. a place. It's got its place. It's, but I put a little sweet cream in it. But so we had a bunch of different coffees for coffee flights. That was awesome. We went to another coffee shop, but we went to what was called the best, rated the best coffee shop in St. Joe, Forte Coffee. And we brought some beans back and I brought back um, Africa. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't bring the bag down here. Was it from? I think it was from the Congo. No, right? Or was it? Because it, it wasn't. Or was it Uganda? It was Uganda. Well, I'll, I'll confirm. I think, I think it was. I'll Uganda. confirm next episode. But we went back to my roots of African coffee because there was a while where I drank exclusive African Ethiopian. Coffee. Ethiopian was my jam. That was like it. Um, I got that was like a whole solid year. Well, I also did a lot of stuff from uh from Madagascar too. I did some stuff from Madagascar a Not little bit. As much but as you Ethiopian. did Ethiopian, and then I tried different styles of Ethiopians and dark yeah. roast, light roast. So this is a light roast. Um, I think it's Uganda. I, it, it might be. I think it is. Because I've done Congo from other places before. Yeah, I, yeah. this is, I think, the Ugandan one. And so if you looked at the beans, it was like grounded to perfection. Like, in my opinion. I don't know what you thought about it. It's a very light roast. It's a very light roast. It was, it was pretty it was decently like, roasted. It got like right to first crack and they stopped. Well, that's the perfect place to right? stop. Nailed it. There's that's no where grease. you get all the acid from. Yes, it and I really wish I brought the bag down because it has like hints of lemon and citrus. And then what I don't threw taste me the off citrus. I taste the was cantaloupe. The, was the cantaloupe? I taste the what cantaloupe. Threw me off is there's notes of cantaloupe but in I this coffee. Don't taste the citrus. But it's it's not the taste of the citrus. It's the bright acidic I, aftertaste at the end I that don't, follows through. Yes, yeah, I, I don't. Feel. I don't get that. I get the acidicness of the it being a light roast mm-hmm. and that very earthy 
pungent earthy, taste from, yes. from Africa. The African er- earthies, yes. But uh, it's I, not I, airy I at all. I don't feel like I taste the brightness of a citrus. I but just I want to ask you, with this coffee, on the fuller scale of 1 to 10, where would you put... Oh, oh, oh and by the way, this is what I mean by we went to our roots. We did a uh, we did a Chemex tonight because uh, we we're did, supposed yes. to do V60, and then your boy forgot the V60 filter. And my, my filters bad. are at work, so so we help. did Chemex pour over. We didn't pour overs in a very long <laughs> yeah. time. So I mean, I nailed that bloom though. It was I, a good. I bloom. freaking nailed it was that a very bloom. good bloom. And so we did it in the Chemex. We did it at a, a a grind number forty, in case you're wondering. And then we poured some beautiful water on top of it. So very, what would you rate good. this coffee, my guy? Well, see, over the past two years, I've really strayed away from liking the flavor of African coffees. Mm-hmm. So my my opinion's a little biased okay. on that. But for an African coffee, I would say it's pretty good for an African coffee. I just... But 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 what would you rank this on a scale? You're, you're, are you trying to not hurt my feelings? I I am not doing nothing. I, I have a number I, in my mind. I told you my opinion All right, here is we go. biased. No, 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 no. We're going to do a number. On the count of three, we're both going to say our numbers, okay? All right. One, two, three, a four. seven. Four? Holy I, crap! I told you I'm biased against Africa. I Bruh. said for an African coffee, it's it's decent. I did not say, hey, I walked in with Folgers, and we're going to drink the Folgers. No, it's Folgers be real good. is the negative number, okay? okay. <laughs> if you drink Folgers, we still love you. And, and, you know, if you're rolling baller on a budget, Dave Ramsey style, you drink that Folgers, because Dave Ramsey, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. But mud tastes better. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. See, this is a solid seven for me because it has the brightness, but, it has the airiness but this of is it. Your, this is the flavor profile that you really enjoy. So yep, it's true. I, I understand why you would rank it at a seven, or I would. I was actually thinking you were going to say an eight or, or nine. Uh, but, no, I, I'm, I've had better. I've had better. But for me, I've just gotten away from. I don't like the earthy, pungent taste as much. Mm-hmm. So I just got out of it. And that's fair. And lately, I've been drinking. I mean, Beth has no clue what we drink. She just wakes up and drinks it. She's like, like mm, <laughs> "This is tasting like coffee." Basically, now she can tell the difference between good coffee and bad coffee. She can tell that difference. Difference. But other than that, no. But we've been drinking African blends at home, or Africans are not African blends. Forgive me, coffee peoples. African single origin. We ha- I have a Nicaraguan at home, and then I have this. I, I have a Main Street blend, which is like a, a Colombian, Brazilian, and another South American country from Napanee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have that other uh, breakfast blend from Red Rooster that we're drinking too. So, mm. but yeah, I've been I've been popping back into the African stuff lately just I, to get that. I don't know, man. There's something about that. It's not gritty. It's just... mm, It's earthy. It's earthy, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it's earthy. I don't know how to explain it better than earthiness. If we've lost you in terms of our nerdiness, welcome to the show. But I've been drinking a lot of Tacoa, (laughs) right? Which is the local local roaster, the local coffee shop here in Mishawaka. Yep. And... um, the the guy the owner's name is Jeff. I won't use his last name just in case he doesn't want me to because I didn't ask. But Jeff Jif. is Jeff. Jiffy. Jeff is the good coffee roaster. Is it, is it so, Jeff or is it Jeff? It's Jeff. Are you sure it's not Jeff? One hundred percent sure it's Jeff. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've been drinking Tacoa, which so we I've been maybe, drinking a lot maybe of next episode we'll drink Tacoa of the. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, no, no. What, what did you it have? Was Bra- it was Brazil. Brazil. Brazilian. It was a single origin Brazilian. So the cool thing about this is this guy loves to roast competition grade coffee, like that's what he roasts and sells is competition, competition, competition. Welcome to the competition, <laughs> the competition. But you know the competition roasts. He likes to. He was in Kentucky two weeks ago, doing a competition down in Kentucky. That's cool. I it's think Daddy's awesome. got coffee there. Daddy got coffee is an Instagram friend of mine. Oh yeah, yeah, sweet. He's a dad who. Actually, coffee. well, he 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 makes some good money being a coffee influencer on YouTube and Instagram. That's for coffee. sure. But like he he'll do these reviews on these grinders and stuff. And I'm like, bro, 
Just no tell, dad is dropping three K on a grinder. He goes, I know, but I got it for free. <laughs> All you gotta do is tell him, look, we came up with a new word on the podcast, coffetition. Coffetition. I feel like someone needs to you know, oh, that'd be awesome. That. That'd be awesome. Let's have a competition. It's time for a competition, and then it has like the different ways to drink coffee. That that'd be pretty good. That'd and be hey, a dope shirt. That'd be a really dope shirt. But you know what's gonna be really dope? What's that? I don't know if this show's gonna air before then or not. Is it gonna? No, this is probably airing after this, Getty, isn't no, it? No, it's not. Ever Revive oh. Fest. It, this is the uh, first episode. No, this is like the last episode right before. Revive well, Fest. if it is, we want you at Revive Fest. Revive Go to RevivePest.com because... Get your um, tickets today. You know, Revive Fest is only in like a month, and we just gave Matt Grimm our stuff for our workshop that we're doing, and um, <sighs> yeah. I just gave him my stuff for my workshop that I'm and, doing today. And I, I'm still working like a madman trying to get all the swag and stuff for the giveaways we're going to do. I think we're going to do like 15 giveaways the whole time. I'm going to put together swag bags for Did you buy days. more stuff? No, this is just a normal the, through the Bible commentary. That's that commentary I told you we're going to do on the major the major study giveaway the the ancient oh! faith the systematic theology the ultimate Bible. The, I didn't realize it was that big. That's like five. That's five volumes, bro. I know, bro. I it's the whole Bible. That's legit, like pastor grade. It is. Wow. That's, that's one of the ones that my father in law he absolutely loves that commentary set, and it's really really good. That's pretty dope. So it's very um, that's pretty dope. It's very good for lay people. It's like a very good commentary geared towards lay people. So that's cool. Yeah. I thought it was, it was going to be a good little, Hey, here you guys go. Here's a nice little study thing. And I even got highlighters, Bible highlighters to go with it, with this big, with the ancient faith study Bible, yeah. the one that me and the associate love, which side note, I will, can that's I, that's my, that's my daily. Well, my weekly church Bible is the ancient. You faith take that one to every church every week. See, I take just my normal Bible. That's my church Bible. Lately, though, guys. Well, see, my normal study Bible is the NASB, though. Oh, that's so, fair. Okay. That's why. Um, lately, I have not been taking my CSB to church, guys. Oh. I've been taking my Holman Christian, the HCSB. Oh, the old church. school. Um, because the the print's bigger and it's easier for He's me. He's like, to I'm read. getting old. <laughs> it's just easier for me to read. But either way, guys, just so you know, if you are in need of a Bible, please let us know. Send us an email. Now, we've always said send us a DM or whatever, but we found that if you send us an email, that's probably the best way and, to make sure we get to where it needs to go. And when you send your email, please, please, please give us your name and your address, right? Yep. I can't, you can't just send me your email with, and your name is shipwrecked6954 <laughs> and be like, hey, I want a Bible. And I'm like, my first cool. question is going to be like, what's your name and where do you need a Bible sent to? <laughs> yep. And so we do want to make sure we are giving those Bibles out to those who need. So if you do need a Bible, send us an email at realtalkchristianpodcast at gmail.com to get those Bibles. But we also give away many swag bags. We do. For those people who leave us specifically Apple Podcast reviews. Now, this past week, did you see courtesy of our Facebook group and my uh, sister-in-law that we reached over a thousand ratings on Spotify? Did we? Which is stinking awesome. wild cool. so we got over a thousand reviews on spotify we ain't even close to that now a podcast guys so no we're like 169 sure, which I is think. great sure which is awesome helps us get into the ears of other but listeners Dale that's Partridge why has like ten thousand, so yeah. we gotta pick this game up people but the real reason is not because we're trying to be boastful or or prideful about it it really is because we we feel we're giving good you're being muted it's because we're being prideful and we want this pat on the back and because we want to feel awesome no, I no, think you're kidding. wrong now, and now you're muted. And so, <laughs> no, but it's uh, <laughs> honestly, we feel like God has given us this mission, this mission field of of this podcast, and we want to get into the ears of other listeners. And so that's why we do what we do, and we need your help to help spread the message. Actually, I was really encouraged to see we have a listener in Japan. 
Whoa. And it's like, they emailed us this last week and they're like, hey, I'm out of Japan. Oh, I, I just want to say, that. that's awesome. I'm very encouraged. I think it was on my personal Facebook email. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. But it's, uh, yeah, he's out of Japan and he's like, I'm listening to you over in Japan and use, using the stuff that you guys are talking about. And it's like, that's awesome. Like, it's really, that's just it's so really exciting cool. to see where God I mean, is taking us. I mean, we got this, listeners so. over in England and Scotland and New Zealand and Canada. We love our Canadian friends. Um, is Texas its own I think Texas is its own country. So we got people, listeners out in Texas. <laughs> and honestly, all over. I mean, we've even had the uh, the one person, which if you're still listening, I don't remember your name, but in the Indian U.S. consulate office over yes. in India, yeah. right? Yep. We had, we had some people listening over there. We got people listening in Africa. We got people listening all over Europe and Asia. This is thinking. No, we got Peru, our friends Joe and Kimberly down God in Peru. God has taken this and it made it just explode, and we're just so thankful to be a part of it. But if it's you not us. if you do live in the United States and you live us leave us an Apple Podcast review and then we read it on the show, we will get you a mini swag bag in the mail. So I'm going to read today's review Go because you're it. about to do a lot more talking than yeah. what I am. So I'll read this and then I will literally pass you the ball and set. And I'm just going to hang out because it's, you know how hard it is to be like, all right, Mark, we're going to do church history and I have a lot to read. So I just have to sit here and shut up about church history. No, you don't have to shut up. We can talk in between. I'm just saying it's, it's more of a, Hey, here's some information before we get into the conversation. See, that sounds good to me. It's just a setup. It's just a long setup. That's fair. Because uh, when we do the next episode and when we're continuing the seven deadly sins on envy, there's a lot of setup there too. Yeah. So So let's read this review. This is from JD, 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 Jess, JS, 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 which is really funny. I always love these types of names. These are so great. I've been listening for two months now and hearing them say, leave a review and I never got to. So I am sorry, but you guys deserve a five-star review. You, so thank you for leaving one. Thank the Lord for you guys. Your podcast has helped me through my work day. It gives me an opportunity to have a peaceful and sound mind while I work, all while learning about Jesus. Thank you, Mark and Chris. I appreciate everything you do. Keep letting Jesus use you. Mm. By the way, my name is Nick, and I will DM you on Instagram for the possible swag bag. Thank you, good sir. So, and Nick, if you did send us a DM, I think did, so. Did, did you I think that, I, I think we've already sent this one out. I'm, I pretty Janiel, sure. can you confirm? I'm pretty sure we sent this one out, so I'll have to go back through the notes and look. But either way, go to Apple Podcasts because that's really, right now, the only place you can leave a physical review. Google Podcasts don't do it. Pandora don't do it. Spotify don't do it. But go to Apple Podcasts if you are not an Apple user. My first question is, is how dare you? Second, <laughs> uh, just <laughs> sign into ApplePodcast.com and you'll be good to go. So either way, Nick, thank you for that review, Appreciate man. It. So I'm going to pass you the ball. And here we go, talking about church history. Well, you know, church history has been um, very prevalent on my mind as of late, ever since my father-in-law got me uh, hooked on another podcast. And I think I've mentioned it here before of Men Who Rock the World by Stephen J. Lawson from good stuff. L- Ligonier Ministry. He's, I think he took over for R.C. Sproul when R.C. Sproul passed away. Oh, that makes sense, actually. So it was just... Uh, you know, it's been pretty cool to hear his teaching, and really, he's just not even teaching. It's just him walking through the history of some of the early church fathers, basically from Luther on. Yep, a lot um, of the Puritans. He does a lot very, of the Puritans. Very much of the Puritans, but uh, just hearing, uh, I, I never knew how much of a hero George Whitfield was to me until I listened to his rendition, his three-part rendition about George Whitfield's life, and I go, all right, hands down, I think he's better than Luther. Don't stone me. You but, know, I actually, um, I have an article that's in my to-read-later category of um, have Americans glorified Luther too much? Mm. I have a reading that I need to read. Well, it's back. just because that's the big name that everybody knows, I think. Yep. I don't think it has anything to do past that. They're just like, oh, he started the Protestant movement. He's the greatest. Nope. Go Anabaptist. But George Whitfield preached until he died. Literally. <laughs> like, like, literally. He, like, died. 
hours after he gave his last sermon from a, a porch that he was sitting at at a house where thousands of people gathered. Well, and if you if you listen, like literally look at that man's itinerary where he was preaching all over the place. He was being and and churches in uh, I think it was in America they were literally saying, "Nope, you're speaking." Uh, literally, he was going toe to toe with their liberal theology. Yes, and just well, whack and whack and whack, and so they kicked him out of the church. So he goes, yes. "Screw it, well, I'm gonna go preach in the field like Jesus did." And he did, and they said he could project his voice. And I I want to say it was to. 5,000, 10,000? 10,000 people. He could project his voice out in the middle of a field out to 10,000 people. And people did not realize how Jesus could have done it. And they're like, oh, well, no, this is this is, this is is it. The, but, coo- the cool thing was is they followed him from town to town. Yes. They, just like they did with Jesus. It was just, it was amazing, his ministry and how when he would go to a town, like people would like drop their plows in the field and like jump on horseback and like ride and run to the town. I, I There was this, I forget who it was. It was somebody that uh, in history, but they were talking about him and his wife. Uh, he told his wife, get your stuff, let's go right now. And he made her run behind the horse as he rode the horse to go hear George Whitfield. And when the horse, when the horse got tired, <laughs> it's terrible. When the horse got tired, then he would throw his wife on the horse and he would run until the horse regained its breath. And then he'd make his wife get back off and he'd jump back on the horse. How terrible is That's that? That's awful. It's terrible just to hear this guy. I'm like, yeah, you needed to hear this you guy. You definitely needed to hear Jesus. <laughs> but, but the cool thing, though, and this is a, a challenge for you guys who are listening, George Whitfield did not grow up as a Christian. The dude grew up in a tavern with a yeah. mom who did not do very good things and a dad who was not present. And so he, what, what was his thing? Like he could cuss as good as a sailor or just as good as the rest made, of the age of no, like five. No, he made sailors blush by like, yeah, like the age and of five made, or eight or something He would make money because like it was so funny. But he went to like acting school and he learned how to project his voice right. and how to present and how to uh, use his body in such a way to do these massive productions. And then when he got saved, he used that, that gifting, all this yeah. training that he learned from the tavern with interacting with people. Exactly. It's like God set doing him this. up for it. And, and that's a, does your past affect your future? Well, no, God uses your past in such a way to use your gifts and talents and right. abilities. Like everything you had to go through in the past was for God to use it now in the future. And that's right. the same thing with George Whitfield. Yeah, it was, it, it was just an amazing story. I would encourage you guys to, to go check out at least. Well, was it the men who men who changed the world? Uh, the men who rocked the men world who rocked by Stephen J. Lawson. And the, the artwork is, uh, is uh, I'm pulling up, it's like black with like yeah, that. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Black like with the little world. globe. Yeah, the little globe. And it yeah, says men, men who, who rocked the world, world. was Stephen J. Lawson. Yeah, it's a phenomenal one. I would oh, encourage um, you, if you don't listen to anything else, just to go and listen he to He just the dropped George the Spurgeon Whitfield. episode five hours ago. Woohoo, Spurgeon's another good one. Anyways, so um, that's kind of why why I wanted to write about and speak about and talk about this topic tonight. And I know Mark is a huge fan of church history. No, just a little bit. He's just a little obsessed. Uh, so I knew that th- this has always been his passion. We've talked about doing church history in the past. He's wanted to do it. And I'm like, you know what? Now's the time to do it. And he doesn't even need to prep for it because he's so good at knowing it. So, well, let's not go that far. You're pretty good. Okay. So, uh, but first, before we dive into some of how the church history is broken up and, and like what each what we call age of church history is mm-hmm. uh, what is church history? Right. And, and what, I mean, what, what is, what is it? Right. We hear church. Is this like, like every history or like where the church went? Well, the history of the church, uh, Christian church is the study of the fatherhood of God. It documents redemptive history and God's gracious providence of his eternal covenant completed by Christ and applied by the spirit of grace. John Payne rightly said, if church history does not get your blood pumping, you'd better go check your spiritual pulse. The 16th century alone provide, 
provides a treasure of soul-stirring uh, narratives. Think of Martin Luther's bold and daring stand for the gospel against the destructive errors of Rome. Consider the faithful witness of the English martyrs who died singing psalms as they were consumed by flames. Mm-hmm. Or how about the courage, the courageous life of John Knox, who, while enslaved in A the bowels Scotsman. of the French galley, galley ship, cried out, "Give me, give me Scotland, or I will die." Right. He's a Presbyterian. So, that's, that's where Presbyterians came from. Was this guy? Yeah. So, and I mean, there's so many more. I think of you know William Tyndale and and uh, John Charles Wesley yes, yep, and, and John Owen. Right. All, and all sorts of. Yeah, those you can go Puritans, back to yeah. Calvin and Zwingli, and then the whole oh, Anabaptist tradition. So much. But I loved what what uh, this came from Reform.org Church. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> um, but I really love this. Uh, the, if, you, if church history doesn't get your blood pumping, you'd better check your spiritual pulse. And the reason why I love that little saying right there okay. from John Payne is because I have never really been much of a church history guy. I've gone through the classes. But when I started listening to this Men Who Rock the World, for some reason, something was awakened in my spirit and really did get my blood right? pumping. When you find out, man... I always like I'm scared to go like go talk to my my colleague at work about Christ and these people are like fearless like in the in the, who was it there's one of them and I don't think I put him in here he was a not a bishop but he was a Christian who renounced Christ and then he ended up going back out and preaching Christ and so he was go, getting taken to be to be burned oh, to death that was um, and he put his hand in the flame yep because it was the hand that he'd renounced Christ with yep and so he burned his own hand first and said I have to cleanse the first thing that that betrayed my faith crap I don't remember who that was I don't that remember was with, that was with uh, Bloody Mary yeah exactly yep so uh, just just the stories of, of the the courage and the faithfulness of these uh, Christians from the past who really like we talked about George Woodfield, we're nobodies, right? Mm-hmm. That God brought out and and used in such a powerful way to rock the world. And that's it. Is we're not trying to put these guys up on pedestals. No. But I will say this, you know, to when we read in Hebrews that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also run the race with integrity. And I think that's what this idea is supposed to be. Right. Is, you know, we had this conversation about should we have prayers to the saints or not, where it's like, you know, God's not the God of the dead, but God of the living. Yes, we both agree with that, but we're also like, we're not supposed to, we don't pray to saints because right. Jesus said, when you pray, pray to God the Father directly. And a lot of other things were like, well, it just seems weird to pray to dead people. Um, but, you know, when we when we study these church history guys, it makes you do one of two things. One of it is more the fact of like, dang, I need to step it up in my Christian walk. Because mm. like you hear that these guys that just go ballistic for Jesus and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I doing with my life? And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if he could do it. I could do it too. It's an encouragement. Let's let's do it. Let's keep going. But the, and then the other thing that church history does, the second fold of it is the fact of, you know, what's what's that passage in Ecclesiastes where there's nothing new under the sun? Every um problem, every uh accusation against Christianity, every um uh, heresy that we're dealing with right now in the church, the church has already dealt with right. over the years. It's just gotten a new name. It it's just the has same a heresy. Name, like, like even the, the 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 what do they call it? There was the the new age. Um, it, it was part of the age of skepticism, and I can't think of what it was called. What the new age atheist atheism was called, but like Christianity has already come to the defense, and now all of a sudden, skeptics and atheists are starting to go, "Oh, these arguments, like the the Rob, like the Richard Dawkins arguments, and yeah, you those ones." Like I can't the age th- of enlightenment. 
Um, no, no, no. From I can't think what. Time? No, no. Like right now. Oh, okay. Like gotcha. right now, Richard Dawkins and Hawkins yeah, okay, yeah. and um, a lot of these other atheist apologi- apologists, their their arguments are starting to fall apart because Christianity is defending it. Well, if you look at the arguments they have, these are the same arguments they had a thousand years ago. Right. And so when we're when we're dealing with the problems of the world today, and you hear Christians who are deconstructing their faith, they're like, "Oh, I can't believe no one ever talked about this. No one ever taught me this." Well, you ding back, go read a church history book. They, right. they sure dang talked about it. Yeah, exactly. And so I, that's the beautiful thing with church history is it helps us understand the problems and the heresies and the other teachings that we're dealing with, but it also puts some fire under our butt to be like, let's do it. Now, granted, you should not have a marriage like, uh, was it John Wesley or John Wesley or Charles Wesley had a terrible, terrible, terrible marriage. Terrible. Uh, Billy Sunday also had a terrible marriage too. So we can't follow everything, they well, do, but it yeah, can at Billy, least give you a lot of encouragement along the way. Billy Sunday's thought process was it, you know, Hey, my wife's going to stay at home and I'm going to go preach the gospel. And then I'll come back every couple of months for like a week. And then I'll go back out again. That was like Billy Sunday. Like it was like, <laughs> it, was it was like, it was like Navy seal level. Yeah, it was terrible. But anyway, uh, keep going, man. All right. So, you know, talking about how, how, you know, it kind of, we're, we're very excited about talking about church history, but uh-huh. want to kind of go through what the ages of church was or, you know, church history. <laughs> so uh, this comes from the uh, Christian history Institute.org. And again, again, this will be, this link will be in the show notes. So uh, how was the church history broken up? So the very, 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 very first age that we had was the age of Jesus and the apostles, right? And this is rough estimate, right? This is where we're kind of, we think we have an, a good idea of this. So there was the, uh, the age of Jesus and the apostles was from 27 AD to 70 AD. Again, there there might be some discrepancy on years either side, but that's the closest that everybody can semi-agree to right mm-hmm. during that age of time. So uh, what was that? Well, from a handful of fishermen, tax collectors, and youthful troublemakers in an obscure province of Judea, Christians have always been considered uh, considered the age of Jesus and his apostles a kind of model for all other ages. It gave the church its faith in Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, and the hope of forgiveness of sins through him. And the age demonstrated in the life of Paul that the gospel of grace recognizes no boundaries of nation, race, sex, or culture. So, point A. It starts with Jesus. Starting point, Jesus, the right? The church starts with Jesus. Right. So Now, we're a continuation of the Jewish faith, but the church age starts with Jesus and his disciples, right. the 12. So then we, uh, from there, we go into the age of Catholic Christianity, right? And so this is where, when we read the the uh, Apostles' Creed, and it talks about uh, one holy Catholic church, this is, this is the version of Catholic church that this narrow point in history of what it was referring to, right? Yep. Is the age of Catholic Christianity, which was 70 AD and ended in three, uh, 312 AD. So Catholic Christianity, which accepted this truth, spread rapidly throughout the Mediterranean world. It confronted uh, the alien ideas of the uh, Gnosticism, uh, Marsonism, uh, Montana, what is that one? Montanism. There you go. And called a lie, a lie by appealing to the apostolic writings and to the Orthodox bishops who guarded them. At the same time, Christians faced the persecuting power of Rome and dared to die heroically as martyrs witnessing our witnesses to other believers to follow in their train. The seed of the martyrs blood as Tertullian called it, uh, eventually bore abundant fruit in the conversion of the empire. Yep. And this is where it gets really interesting because this is where a lot of other faiths say Christianity went awry. So if you look at the writings of Joseph Smith, right. Mormonism, um, which side note, uh, more, Joseph Smith thinks that every writing talked about Jesus was actually him. It's kind of weird. But um, but he would say that, oh, no, the, the apostles had it right. We need to go back to the faith of Jesus and the apostles. And, and they got all screwed up here in this weird gap where 
went from Jesus to you know the the Council of Nicaea, and then Christianity just it's gone. It's yeah. gone. And this is so, it, it, we lost the writings, the true writings. So here's yep. the new writings. And so when you talk to Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, um, also even um, um, Islam kind of plays into this role as well. As well. we lost what the real meaning of Christianity is. Right. Um, I mean, shoot, even Seven Day of Venice, like talk about it a little bit, where they're like, oh, we got to get back to historic Christianity. We want to get back to the New Testament Church. Sure. Whenever people say we want to get back to the original New Testament Church, it's thrown away a lot of different things. But a lot of times people believe that Christianity was either a lost or B it was all made up in this 300 year mm. period where right. we don't have a, like the Bible, we didn't have a Bible at this time. So how nope, are we supposed to right. do this? Were they just making up their teachings? All the letters that we have that were finally quote unquote written by the time council and I see it came in. Were they just all made up and fabricated? Were they full of errors? And were they full of errors? Yeah, and then right. how does all these doctrinal things work? And now the cool thing is in this period, we do have a lot of writings with like Justin Martyr. Right. Um, one of the first, what, where we get the term martyr from, dying for your faith, was because yep. of Justin Martyr with defending an apologetics. who's one of the first apologists. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of other writings for people in this time too. Was, uh, Polycarp, Disciple of Peter, and, and a few other church fathers. We still have Clement some of those. Of Rome. Right? Clement of Rome. I, um, uh, I, th- I think St. Basil was after yeah, I think Council of Nicaea. Yeah. He, was, he was late 4th century, because right. we'll talk about him in the MV episode. Um, but but there, during this time period, a lot of people think that either A, Christianity went buck wild crazy, or B, it started to formulate its own little fake idea and all these fake things. And it wasn't until, oh, you know, the, uh, it wasn't, the, the church was created at the Council of Nicaea. It was all formed together. But in reality, it was all Rome's. They actually had the holy scriptures that we have. They just had them in letter format or right. parchment format. And right. there was a universal and consensus of be- these are the letters we use. Well, they were, still the be- they were still being passed around. And a lot of these guys during this time period, uh, from 70 to 312, mm-hmm. were, uh, were students of the apostles, yep. right? They were they were disciples of the apostles, yep. All the way to like a disciple, a disciple, a disciple of the apostles, right? And so that they they guarded these these letters from the apostles very closely, and because uh, these were in their mind the holy writings about Jesus and the church. And when they copied it, it was meticulous. They yep. meticulously copied these, and that's why. I mean, you do find some errors, but that's when the church formulated the Bible in the next age, the age of the Christian Empire. Yep at the Council of Nicaea, all they were doing is they looked at the, the, the what was it, three? Three building blocks of what it had to be. They had to, well, had to be widely, by, a, by apostle or a, a disciple of an apostle. Yep, and it had to be widely already accepted in the amongst church. the church, and then there was one more. Oh, uh, goodness. I, I, I know the two, but I thought there was one more, that it was a pillar, the three pillars of, of it all. It was widely accepted amongst the church. It was uh, had to be... Um, directly written by an apostle or a student of an apostle. And it had to involve um, apostolic content. That's right. So it had to be actually not just written by an apostle, but talking about the church and Jesus. Having the the same context and content that was uh, universal, or not universal, um, that was cohesive. Right. Cohesive with the rest of Scripture. And that's the thing, you know, whenever Paul wrote a letter to a church, we we have belief in, I don't know if we have written argument or evidence for it, that the church then would take that letter recopy that letter and send it off and keep it going. Well, we so know. letters were scattered across the empire. So no, 
Christians didn't have a Bible in their hand, but what they did have was a message of the writings the, the, and the teachings from the apostles. Yep, and that's why in Acts two thirty two it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread, the fellowship, the prayers of the saints, and the teaching of the apostles. Right. And so since the early days of the church, they sat at the feet of the apostles, and that why us as Protestants, that's kind of where the Catholic conversation comes in. Right. We only ascribe to what's in the canon and not the fact of oh the canon's opening, people can add to it, and the Pope can add things, and these church fathers can add things, and we go absolutely. Absolutely not. Right. Because we have the writings from the people who were kind of, you know, with Jesus. They were the they were the disciples and they were the ones that were instructed to go and teach the things I have taught you and make disciples. Message from the king. So it's like Hamilton, a message from the king. And when that's a message from the king, King Jesus, you better sit down and shut up and pay attention. Calm down, you, you don't you don't know what message from the king is, do you? Calm down, Kanye. But that's that's when that's when Kristoff comes out, the king of England and <laughs> All right. sings. It's we're, really fun. We're gonna move on. <laughs> so the next age, as we previously mentioned, was the age of the Christian Empire. This is from three twelve AD to five ninety AD. The Imperial Age began in three twelve when Constantine caught a vision of Christ before the fourth century closed. Christianity became the official religion of the sprawling Roman state. A church in the catacombs was one thing, but what does that have or what does Christianity have to do with palaces? Under the emperor's tutelage, or tutelage, I'm sorry, tutelage, the church learned to serve the seats of power by formulating the faith for the masses, hence the age of great councils. Those Christians who had not who had no yen for palaces headed for the wilderness in search of other ways to grace, another way to grace. Uh, re- revered hermits soon found themselves in a vanguard of a movement, uh, monasticism, and the wave of the future. Yep. So this is where all the councils happen. Yep, and, and, and in case people want to say Constantine didn't make the church and he no. didn't make the things, literally what it was is the church was literally at war with itself about um, the— this is when St. Nick punched a fool— was they were arguing over the yeah. the the divinity Arius. and the humanity of Jesus with the, with with Arius and you know Saint Nick and whoop, punched them. Well, Bob, Santa and, Claus and knocked them out with the right. And so there were literally arguments happening happening everywhere. So the right. Council of Nicaea was not in the better interest of the church. It was the better interest of he still wanted to kind of have power and kingdom. Right. <laughs> and you know, we all have to figure this stuff out of what we actually believe. And so we did a lot of good things with that. But we also have to know that Constantine did not make Christianity the 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 official religion of the empire he just said we're no longer going to kill you anymore yeah he stopped yeah exactly he stopped the persecution of the church yep uh and he became a christian himself i use that term loosely because of his history yep but it doesn't change the fact of um there were still church fathers battling these out and and councils council of nicaea yep the um uh what were some of the other ones Help me out here. Council uh, of Nicaea. Shoot. Uh, man, I am drawing a blank I'm, I'm tonight. I'm pulling up this all the Catholic. On my, on my Council of Trent, Council of there's Trent II, ca- yeah, Council of Edict of Worms. Those like, are, that's all later. Those are all in that, that same time period, though, is some of those. There's the con- there's a Council of Constantinople. Yep. So, so, but this is where they battled out a lot of the, the doctrinal things and a lot of the, the errors, right? Early, this, this is where they're like, like no. Trinity. Right. This is where they're like, no, we're going we're gonna to stick to the apostolic teachings of the apostles, and this is what they are, and this is why this is the format of why we are canonizing these books of the new, these twenty six books in the New Testament. Yep. And so, but as the Christian Empire grew and Christianity became more and more popular, it soon became the official religion of the Roman Empire, right. the Holy Roman Empire, which right. then leads into the next fun right. category. Which so, this is where it gets butt crazy, and this is but, where anybody who is crazy. not of the faith. This is where they hit us, right? Yep. 
the Christian Middle Ages, 590 to 1517 AD. This is the what I consider the dark period of the church. <laughs> yep. But there's a lot of cool things. Augustine came there, out of there's this. There's some really cool things that happen here, but there's a that that's the things this is what people's view of Christians are for all, all eternity most of the time. Because anytime I've gotten into a debate with any non-Christian, this always comes up. Always. Well, what about the Middle Ages? And all right, we're going to talk about it. So most Christians, however, saw the hand of God in a happy wedding of a Christian church in Roman state. In the East, the marriage continued for a millennia. Uh, mystical piety flourished under the protection of the Orthodox empires until 1453, when invading Muslim Turks brought the Byzantine Empire to a final ruin. The fall of Constantinople, however, meant the rise of Moscow, the new capital of the Eastern Orthodoxy. Uh, in in the West, it was a different story. After the 5th century, when barbarian Germans and Huns shattered the empire's defense and swept into the eternal city of Rome itself, men turned to the Augustans' city of God for explanations. They found a vision for a new age. We call these centuries medieval. People who lived in them considered them, or people who lived in them considered them Christian. Their reasons lie in the role of the Pope who stepped into the ruins of the fallen empire in the West and proceeded to build the medieval church upon Rome's bygone glory. As the only surviving link with the Roman past, the Church of Rome mobilized ben, ben, uh, Benedictine thank you, monks and deployed them as missionary ambassadors to the German people. It took centuries, but the popes, aided by Christian princes, slowly pacified and baptized a continent and called it Christendom or Christian Europe. Baptized masses, however, meant baptized pagans. Mm -hmm. By the 10th century, spiritual renewal was an obvious necessity. It started in a monastery in central France called Cluny, or Cluny mm -hmm. one of the two, and spread until it reached the papacy itself. The greatest of the reforming popes was Gregory VII. His zealous successor carried the papal office to the zentinth of the earthly power. No longer the cement of the Roman Empire, the church of the 12th century was itself a kind of empire, a spiritual and earthly kingdom stretching from Ireland to Palestine and from earth to heaven. The Crusades and the uh, scholastic philosophy were witnesses to this papal sovereignty. Power, however, corrupts. The church gained the world but lost its soul. That, at any rate, is when a steady stream of reformers preached uh, Wald Waldenese, yep. Francines, Albigenese, Amid the strife for earthly power and the evidence of barren religion in the 14th and 15th centuries, many Christians turned to the Bible for a fresh vision and renewal. So during this time of the Middle Ages, this is when the Crusades happened. This is when we're going to take back the Holy Land. We're going to kill and, and, the infidels. And, yep. And uh, yeah. No, I mean, a lot of really cool people came out. Like, like you mentioned, St. Augustine, City of God and City of Man. And yep. uh, I had to look him up. I'm like, I can't think what the homeboy's name was, but good old St. Francis. You know, Henry Saint, Saint from Madam yep. Secretary. That was his boy. Good right. old St. Frank, Saint, Saint Frankie. So you got St. Francis. You had a lot of other saints. St. Frankie. St. Frankie. Um, but you had a lot of different saints who, to their credit, although, yes, being Catholic, because that's just what you were, right. they were actually working out the apologetic defense and the mysteries of the faith and how did all these different things work. But, you know, this is where the argument comes where, um, or if you want to read a fascinating book around this idea of when Christianity went from the fringes to the center the farther it got from Jesus. It's like they say that when Christianity is on the fringes, it was closer to Jesus. But when it was in when it was in the middle of the empire, it was at furthest from Jesus. When it had power. When it had power, because ultimate power ultimately corrupts. And so there's a book out there called The Naked Anabaptist that kind of 
talks about this, and it's in a really, really cool book about that, which it's come the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition. Not Mennonite, because they say the Amish and the Mennonites are weird. This British Anabaptist. <laughs> um, and so that's, it's a fascinating read for that. But this is where we, we see the, I would say, uh, corruption of the church in terms of, uh, in my opinion, a lot of things that we see now, like with the Hillsong movement, uh, which have you seen the the documentary about the Duggars yet? The shiny, happy people. I have not. I've wanted it to watch it. It's gut wrenching. Is it? It's mm. absolutely. So you got the, I always get the, the acronyms wrong, the IBLF, the Institute for Baptist. Yes. Yes. I know. It's talk, yep. um, and so you have all these different organizations. They keep rising to power. And then what happens, you find out that their organizations are literally corrupt all the way through uh, with sexual misconduct and financial like embezzlement and Abuse you have these pastors and, who yeah. are living off these multi-million dollar stipends like James McDonald even in Chicago and so it's the idea of the more power these people get the more it just all collapses under their feet how much more when it's the entire empire where you have money at your disposal right and you got people's souls hanging in the balance because I this is what I'm really curious about the the everyday people right the ones out working in the field, the ones that are out working in the mills, they are trying to follow Jesus to the best of their abilities. And you got these, these, and now, yes, don't get me wrong. There were still amazing priests and amazing, amazing people and amazing saints who were doing their absolute hardest to lead people through true Christianity and true Jesus. There were people in there like that. But when you have so much corruption coming out of the kings and the queens and um, the bishops. The and, papacy. And then there was, um, what is it called, where you give all the positions to the people in your family? Uh, crap. What is that called? Um, inheritance? No, 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 not, not inheritance, but basically it's like you give all these other seats, position of power to like cousins. Oh, yeah. And it's not, um, it's not nepotism. Yeah, nepotism? Is it nepotism? It might be nepotism, but they were given like the seats of like, we're talking like the, 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 the Bishop of Canterbury to someone who literally has like multiple obvious sex partners, right? like straight and gay. Like it's some weird crap out there going on. And so all of a sudden people who are not loving Jesus, they just love power are in these holy positions. All of a sudden the people in the pew are no longer able to well, actually worship because all they had was the mass and, and the, all they had was well, the service but and the, the way, readings. But the way to keep themselves in power during this time was to make the laymen illiterate, right? And so this is where you weren't allowed to have it in your own language because nope. there was some times during this time where people did try to bring stuff in their own language and, and it was forbidden. And so, uh, you know, this is where um, they're trying to remain in power, they destroyed... Um, the the really the understanding and the lives. Yeah, because John, I, I pull up what year it was, but John Wycliffe, Wycliffe yeah. in 1382 wrote right. the first English Bible, and he right. died at the stake, right. literally because he wrote a Bible in common language. Right. This is why Martin Luther he also wrote a Bible in the common German well, vernacular. I think the the Genevan Bible. I, yeah, right. And I think that's the same time Tyndale wrote his and died at the stake. Was that same time period? Had it been? So I'll look it up. You keep I talking. Think, I think Wycliffe and him worked together, if I remember correctly. So during that time, you know, there was there was men of God that were trying to uh, bring the word of, of God back to the to, to the common folk, right? Read it for yourself. So Tyndale was right at he was fifteen died at fifteen thirty six. So okay, he so died, right right during the but beginning he, of the he died during the revolt. Right. So he was born though at during this. Right. So uh yes, yeah, so that means if I remember correctly, that's that like would, that, would, after. that would mean 1538 is when he died, as you said. Yep. So it would have still he would have been at the tail end because this is age of reformation, right? So he would have he was so he was probably it, he was probably working on, on translation side at the same time with Luther. But right. you know this is where all of a sudden um, 
people started. This is where the idea of purgatory showed up. This is where the idea of yeah, the um, penance and all that stuff. We are the people. Like, like this is where the separation between the 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 sacred and the secular start. If you look at it historically, where it's right. like, and we still deal with it today in our culture of oh no, that's the sacred, that's the secular. He's he's the man of God. We're just a little plebeians. We're right. we're the parishioners. He's the person who gets to appear. Before I'm not. God yeah, in those I'm things. not. I'm not worthy enough to confess my sins to Christ. So I confess them to my priest, who then confesses them because on he my is the priest who can only talk to God. Right. Now Catholics and the, have and a the different. Pope is the vicar of Christ. Correct, <laughs> and, and not just the vicar of Christ, but literally Jesus on the throne. And right. If you go against the Pope, you go against God. You himself. go against God Himself, and right. so you have. And, and so I would love to know when we get to heaven one day, and, and on the New Earth, we're just talking with people who like you know lived through this period where it's like so so because God's a God's a just God, right? And so my question is, all these people who are trying to follow God the best they could, but they were stuck with these absolute terrible people. What became or of these, just less, these souls? Not, you know, not understanding, right? Being right. taught bad theology. Well, not even as bad, and, but the but the the, 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 the really was. I mean, up until even recently, the mass was in Latin, so people couldn't even understand it. They right. weren't allowed to read the scriptures. Now, I will say though, medieval times, this is where a lot of amazing artwork happened, though, right? Medieval right. artwork oh, is some yeah, of my favorite beautiful. artwork, and right. the stained glass windows, and so people were illiterate, so they could see the pictures in the stories of Jesus, and so they knew the basics of Jesus. This is where like Stations of the Cross starts to come into play, right? But you know, at the end of the day, the church became a corrupt money laundering scheme where they even started now telling people in order for you to, if you want your, um, your father and mother to get into heaven, you probably should pay us money to make sure your soul gets an easy pass, right. which then funded the crusade, which is what are called the indulgences, which is why, um, good old Martin Luther decided to nail, you know, he, he felt it was a good time to nail some 95 thesis, which leads us to the next age. And let's try to, this is, this this is probably going to be a two parter, Mark. I'm sorry. Oh man. (laughs) I'm just like, we got a lot. Holy crap. We're doing good though. So we'll, we'll finish up the different ages and we'll stop it at the different ages. And then we'll jump into the next episode with the continuation of this. How's that sound? So I'll shut up and let you finish. No, you don't have to shut up. I'm just, I'm looking at the time we have at the time of recording. We got to go live on Facebook, on Facebook in 20, in 20 minutes. minutes. Let's so, go. So we're going to try to get through this. Not as fast as possible, but quickly. Uh, so the age of reformation, 1517 AD to 1648 AD <clears throat> reform came with a fury. Martin Luther sounded the trumpet, but hosts of others rallied to the cause. The period we call the reformation marks the mobilization of Protestantism. Lutheran, Reformed, Anglican, and Anabaptist. By the mid-16th century of the Reformation, the Reformation had shattered the traditional unity of Western Europe and had bequeathed the modern times religious, the to modern time religious pluralism. Wow. Um, That was fun. Yeah. This is what happens when you just copy and paste somebody else's stuff. (laughs) The Church of Rome resisted this attack upon tradition. She mustered new troops, especially the Society of Jesus. She sent out fresh waves of missionaries to uh, Asia, Africa, and Latin America. She waged war in France, the Netherlands, and Germany. But in the end, Christendom slipped into yesteryear. In its place arose the denominational concept of the church, which allowed modern nations to treat the churches as voluntary societies separate from the state. So this is where we see the split. And a lot of bloodshed. The the, the big chasm. Yes, a lot of martyrdom from... The Protestants, <laughs> a lot of Protestants were martyred. So, um, well, no, no, and Catholics too. It's whoever happened to be king was killing the other. That fools. was the problem. So that's yeah, because we had there was a Protestant 
king right before Bloody Mary took the throne, I think, right? Um, and then after her was Elizabeth, and then she was a Protestant, yep. and then so all of a sudden, and then they were trying to have like, like a bad, Protestant and Catholic usurpations yeah, of like right. um, the uh, what were those super bloody days called? Um, shoot, I can't think the the the, the the something massacre. I can't why why can't I think I, what that I massacre know. was called? I just listened to it like two weeks ago too. Oh, man, this happens when you only read church history over so often. Um, the something day massacre. It was, not, it was not a holy day or whatever it was. But but, but either way, yes. you know, but, yeah. with, with this situation of the age of Reformation, there was a lot of good things that came of, of the Reformation. And honestly, there was a lot of turmoil the during modern, this period, though. And I would say the modern Roman Catholic Church, and we're not even talking about Eastern Orthodox history, because that even has a whole, we're talking mainly Western Christianity. Right. Because after the Great Schism happened back in the, oh, shoot, oh, that was, when was the Great Schism? That was before the medieval times. Uh, I think that was in the... Hey, Siri. Wasn't that when in was the, the Great Schism? Wasn't that in like the early 6th century? It's the 7th century. What'd Siri say? Oh, she's not speaking to me. She said... Well, it's probably because you got a Bluetooth hooked up. 1054. Oh, so I was... Yeah, a little bit later than I thought. And so I, have, I have a really interesting book on the story of the Eastern history, uh, Eastern Church. But but in, in this, there's a lot of good things that happen. And honestly, the modern-day Roman Catholic Church, a lot of their... I would say correction of doctrine that they have right now started because of this, because the whole idea of the Reformation was not to start new churches. No, it was actually trying it was to, to purify the it was, church. It was it was it was a correction course action is what it was. When when Luther nailed the ninety five theses to the wall, he was still wanting to be part of the Catholic Church. Right. It was he wasn't trying to break off from the Catholic Church. He's trying to say no, let's get back to what the Catholic Church was. Right, and this is what's wild. Is Martin Luther still believed in infant baptism. He still believed yep. in purgatory. Right. He still actually believed in the papacy. He just, called, he just called the guy, whatever pope was there, he called him the ass that sat on St. Peter's throne. Sorry, right. now it's right. explicit podcast, but that was Martin Luther's own words. Right. Like, he literally said that about the pope. Right. And because he said, that's St. Peter's throne, and you need to get off of it unless yeah. you do these things. <laughs> and so Martin Luther was calling for repentance inside the right. Catholic Church. Right. And then you have, you know, John, uh, you have Calvin, who came after a right. little bit yep. down in, was he Switzerland? He was Switzerland. Yes. Um, and he wrote the Institutes when he was like early 20s, I yeah, think, uh, he started 20, writing the 21, Institutes. if I remember correctly. And, which is interesting. Calvinism's, or Calvin's Calvinism was not the main part of his theology. It was actually like the last chapter Cal- he wrote. Calvin doesn't believe in Calvinism. Not fully, to, no. To, to the hyperbolic. Yes. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's Calvin pretty funny. Calvin wouldn't be a Calvinist. I have a book over there. It's called The Handbook of Calvin. And and it's very it's a very good read about really what Calvin did believe and what Calvin did teach, which is nothing like the the hyper Calvinism that we see today. Yep. So. And, and so so there's a lot of good things that came of it. And you know, I actually had some good conversations with my brother in law Joe about the idea of like what 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 how do you know what's true and what's not? And there's the one question that I, I heard from a Catholic apologist who said there's one question that that Christians cannot answer. And it comes down to baptism and how baptism works, because we all have different views on baptism. We have all different views on communion in the Eucharist. We have different views on different parts of Scripture. And, you know, Martin Luther's answer when he was asked the question of, well, how are you going to protect the purity of our of, of our history and our theology and our culture? And he goes, hey, as long as the gospel go forth, who gives a rip? Let it go. Secondary issue. Trust oh, trust the Holy Spirit's leading in that. And and there is something to be said of the early church where, yes, there were bishops in place that their jobs were the elders of the church. Their right. job as elders, as listed in Paul, is to protect the teach, not just protect as as, as like, 
you know, um, in a powerful way, but literally in a make sure we hold to the teachings of Jesus and the apostles because that's what it's all about. And so the reformers were calling back to the, the to the solas, right? You know, yep. by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, through the Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Like that's yeah. what the whole idea of the Reformation was, and the idea of the fact of not just that we have oh, um, you, we we can't have any new revelation or ideas of this. It's the fact of no. It's the fact of. All of a sudden, people have put their own opinions and tradition of what we've always done ahead of the scriptures. They've taken away the simplicity and the purity and the beauty of what the gospel message was. In the medieval times, um, the gospel, though, started becoming more of a dualistic idea right. where it was, oh, no, we just care about the soul. We just care about the soul. We just care about the soul. And then there was a you know rebuttal about, no, we got to care about the physical, too. But if we really understand what the gospel is, the fact of Jesus is king, he's on his throne— you know, one day is going to come back and reestablish his throne. But until then, you know, we're called to follow Jesus and to do good works in his name and honor and glorify God in the Westminster Confession of to um, the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him forever. Right. And, you know, is the chief end just to evangelize? No, but we're supposed to do that along the way as we're going we're to tell people, hey, the king is here. Jesus is here. The new kingdom is here. You, we, we can all be a part of it. We can all be the sons and daughters of God. As C.S. Lewis says, there's a, there's a God-sized hole in every heart. We can show them what that hole is. And if we study church history a little bit, we can see how we can stand for our faith and understand these things. Because so many times the importance of when we look at these parts of church history, we can see what they were fighting against back then sure. to see how can we fight against these things now. Wow, your boy went on a rabbit trail real hard there. You went real hard, and we're going to have to pause nah, right there. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to dive into— uh, Where are we picking up next week? The, the last three ages is—we're uh, going to hit the last three ages next week, the sources of church history, and what is the benefit, and why should we study church history? All so, right, man. So tune in next week. But before we go, we got to give people some action steps to go along the way. I've given some of my opinions already, so I'm going to be done talking. So from what we talked about so far— what encouragement or challenge would you like to give the RTC family before we jump to fun facts? Tune in next week. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm going to leave. You're going to have to wait to hear my opinions on everything till next week. Well, okay then. Time for fun facts with February. Man, right. we put a hard pause on that episode. I had to, had to. We got, we got time constraints again and, you guys know when there's time constraints, we got to pause. That's true. And Joe was just making fun of me for our two-hour-long episode about our, our debate on live Facebook. Oh, he was like, dude, I listen to oh, no, the church membership. I got to listen to an hour and 40 minutes. Well, there you go, buddy. You're welcome. Now we're at an hour. So <laughs> the fun fact of what the day. is the fun fact is, of the did day? Did you know the name of the Pringle shape is a hyperbolic paraboloid? What? Paraboloid. It's an actual shape? Hyperbolic paraboloid. The, the saddle shape of a Pringle chip is known in math as a hyperbolic paraboloid. Pringles were made in the shape because it allows the chips to be stacked easily and kept in place during packaging. Well, see, okay, that makes sense, but I just assumed the shape of a Pringle was the shape of a Pringle. That's what they just figured it out. I thought that it was the math version of it, the Pringle shape. So apparently, you, but like our math teacher said in high school, you may have to use this one day. <laughs> the Pringle people sure dang did. Yeah, they did. Hyperbolic so, well, paraboloid. Okay. Hyperbolic some of, you, some of you, some of you people who are in high school and still doing calculus or trick—I don't know which one this would uh, pertain to. Ask your teacher, hey, can we draw a hy hyperbolic para para paraboloid? Am I reading that right? Hyperbolic paro 
Para Bo Lloyd. All I know is that Pringles are really dang good. Delicious, especially the salt and vinegar. Salt and yes, vinegar. That's what I'm talking yes, sir, about. But you know what also is good? What's that? Taking part in the Facebook group that we have going on. We're getting close to a thousand members over there where there's conversations happening every single day based on the episodes that we have right now, based on questions people have in life. And hey, we even throw funny memes in there and just have a good old time with those folks. So we have a lot of friends now in the RTC community who hopefully will be at Revive Fest so we can meet in person. But if you are wanting to continue these conversations, I'm going to challenge you right now. Go to Facebook, not the dating app. There is no Real Talk dating app, just the Real Talk Christian Online Facebook community. Hop over there and take part of those conversations. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you have, you're getting to see our pretty faces right now. If you haven't, hop over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button and the bell notification. So when we're on, you know, you know. And just like always, if you have an episode that you're like, hey, did they talk about that? I don't really know. You can always go to the website, realtalkchristianpodcast.com. Hit the search icon, search for that episode, and it will just pop up right there on your screen. Don't forget to leave a rating review, Apple Podcasts, rating Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts can be found. (laughs) Anything else, Fuller? Are we good? I think that's it, my friend. All right, my friend. So, hey, guys, until next time, then. Take it easy. Take it easy.